Hey everybody, welcome to the Sacred Space Podcast. My name is Gina Stockton and I am thrilled that you are here. Today I have a special guest, Ruth Ruckel. Ruth and Orion Ruckel are from San Diego, California. They launched Abide, which is a worship movement that is just going like gangbusters in San Diego. Ruth also just launched her podcast, Truth with Ruth, and I was really excited to sit down with her and just hear her story, the journey that she's been on personally. She's a bold woman who God uses in really powerful ways. She is just a blast to hang out with, and her and her husband took some big steps and big risks to see God's kingdom come and his will be done um, on earth as it is in heaven. So um, I hope you enjoy her story. I broke this up into two episodes. This is part one. You'll hear part two next time. Uh, I want you to hear a little bit of her background and then the journey for her and her husband to say yes to a very, very big, crazy dream that God gave them. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode of Sacred Space. We're here with my friend Ruth Ruckel. Welcome to the Sacred Space. I'm so happy that you invited someone who's as um, not peaceful in their speech (laughs) into your sacred space. <laughs> I appreciate that. You are so funny. Gina is, she is really good at creating sacred space. I know she comes in my house and leads worship and it's, it's a, it's a experience her and Justin and their oh, crew. Thanks. Oh, yeah. Well, it's it's amazing. an honor. It's a total honor and privilege to be able to be a part of what God's doing in and through you guys. And so, um, I talked a little bit in the introduction, but Ruth, I just love you. I love you. And your husband, Orion, and just the things that you are saying yes to and um, your willingness to just kind of go on this crazy ride with Jesus. And I would love for you to share some of your story. First of all, um, you just launched a podcast, Truth with Ruth, <laughs> which don't laugh. It's one of those things that I... Uh, I unwillingly said yes to, we just talked about that. Yeah. Yeah. Cause my husband bought me all the equipment and said, you're going to do this. I'm like, I don't know if I am, but now I am. But now you are, mm-hmm. here we are. Here we are. And, um, but that's the newest thing. Mm-hmm. You and your husband have a ministry called abide and we'll get a little bit more into that. It's a worship movement in San Diego that is just taken off and it doesn't just encompass worship. You have the Abide Family Dinners. You just did a women's event that was phenomenally successful. And um, you're being the church in the community, in your home, and being doing your best to lean in fully to who, who God made you to be, right? Um, which is pretty powerful. But I would love for you, I've been actually listening to Truth with Ruth, and it's Thank been you. fun because, I, I mean, I know you a bit. We've had yeah. lunch and we, my aunt and uncle, Rick and Maria, who have Red Seal ministry, you're super connected with, but we've seen each other more in like bits and pieces. So it was fun to listen to your podcast and get a little bit more of your story. So I would love for you to share a little bit about your story. You shared some pretty powerful things about your upbringing, who you are. If you're into the Enneagram at all, you're an eight. <laughs> Yes, I am a challenger. A challenger and a truth teller <laughs> and how that started manifesting when you were a kid and, and just that journey and the pain 
um, with that and then the healing that came through that. And would you share a little bit of that? Because I think that's important. I think it's good for people to hear yeah. other people's stories. So, yeah, growing up, uh, I am one of six, one of six kids wow. in a family. Um, and I am the youngest girl of five girls, and then my brother is the baby boy. So I'm also wow. a bookend to the baby in the family. So I'm a middle child too. And that plays a little bit into it. Yeah, you, that's a mix. Yeah. If you believe in birth <laughs> order, it matters. Yeah. Um, so there's that. But yeah, I was the kid in my family that my mother, on one hand, she would get me like little trinkets and little stuff and say, oh, you're one of a kind. You're you, you're unique. But then on the other hand, because, you know, we only know what we know and parenting is a lot different now than it used to be. It's why can't you fall in line? Why can't you just be like your Mm -hmm. brothers and sisters? Why can't you just do that? So kind of growing up with mixed messages, like am I one of a kind or do I have to do, do you need me to be like everybody else's being, right? Um, So there's that dynamic. And, And then that leads into choices we like to label what we don't understand. Yeah. So I don't understand your uniqueness and I don't understand your need to figure out who you are, which I believe that's what a lot of kids are going through. Yeah, absolutely. So we say, Oh, you're rebellious. Yeah. They're just rebellious. Yeah. They just are all these things. And, and I like to say, I wasn't necessarily the things I was doing, the choices I was making, they were not obviously great. Um, but I had no identity. I did not know who I was. Yeah. Because of mixed messages, which are nobody's fault, um, it it just is what it is. Yeah. But you know, I'm making choices, and and I I like to say I wasn't doing it out of rebellion. I was actually trying to figure out what group I fit in. Because in junior high, I did start going to church. It was not a spirit filled church, but I don't really believe that matters because people are people, no matter where you're at. And again, you're in an environment where ev- the culture is adapt. So there's a loyalty aspect to me. If I trust you and you've won my heart, like I'm in, I'll, yeah. whatever you need me to do, I'll do. I, no questions asked. So there was a part of me that desired that community and that connection. So in youth group, I did it. I did all the things that you would do, like threw my tapes away and didn't listen to secular music yeah. and made all the vows you make yeah. until I'm like, oh, that boy's really cute. And I want to, I want to make out, but that's wrong. But then what do you do? But then it's like, you go back to that. I didn't have identity to begin with. I was doing all of these things because it was what I was told to do. Um, And so even in church, it was, oh, you're going to get beat up because you say this and your, your mouth is going to get you in trouble and all of these, all of these things. And so finally I just said, I'm done. If, I mean, they don't really like me that much. So I'm going to go hang out with these people because they look like they're having way more fun and I want to have fun and I want to fit in. And I mean, you fast forward and you find out that it, I didn't even fit in with them. Like my abrasive, I became very abrasive. So what I used my voice to do was I used it to put a wall between me and every single person that could have access to my heart. Mm, Because when I would give access to my heart, I felt like it would get trampled. Yeah. And I don't think it was a conscious thing. I just think subconsciously as a teenager and a young adult, you start doing those things and then um, enter into marriage. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I gave my life back to Jesus and I got filled with the Holy Spirit and I had these encounters, but 
you know, then you're, you're married now and then enter kids. And it's like all your junk starts coming up and the walls you built and, and the ways that you've used to cope with people misunderstanding you, even your husband. Like I didn't marry someone who understood me either. Yeah. Well, and it's, it's all self-protection, right? You learn how to, um, keep yourself safe. Mm-hmm. And so those are, those are the things we construct. Those are those walls, those barriers. It's like, okay, I'm not going to do that again. So I'm going to just put right. this right here and now, now I'm good. You know, yeah. now I can have relationship and it's, I can limit it so that I don't get hurt. I'm not vulnerable. Oh, yeah. I'm not in that fragile state. Yeah. And then, yeah, we do. We to carry those into our marital relationships and to all those relationships. And Right. And I learned, I learned a few things. I learned that healing is great. And you don't know what you don't know until you know it. Like yeah. I, no one, I, you know, we had people come through this block of space. And so my twenties, I had kids and, you know, Ryan and I got married when I was 23, 22, had my first kid at 23. Wow. So young. And, you know, we've got all this stuff going on. And then we're in a church for 11 years within that particular church. It was a great space for me to kind of play around with the gifts of the spirit because it was a very religious spirit-filled church, if that makes any sense to you. Yeah. Um, everything was very negative. So it really, it, it fed me because I was a super negative person. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, that's right. Yes. Yeah, I mean, judging but, everybody. But and- <laughs> that, I mean, that that's who I was. I didn't yeah. know that there was anything different, right. um, but I was also very spirit-filled. I was very prophetic at the time. I, you know, it helped me hone in hearing the voice of God. So it gave me space to do all of that. But even in that space, there were people people that, you know, told me how I couldn't worship the way I was worshiping and it was a distraction and you can't do this. And it always, there was always something following me in every situation I was ever in, whether it was in marriage, in church atmospheres, in friend groups, um, until in 2010, we switched churches, and then that's the same year that I went to a conference, my first prophetic conference at Bethel. I'm there, and it is the first time I had heard Bill Johnson preach, and I'm like, who is this man? Like his, It's kind of like Gina's voice is so soothing. <laughs> his voice was the same way. It was like, yeah. honey, and I'm going, oh my gosh, like... He has something I don't have, God. And and God says, Yeah, he loves people and you don't. <laughs> oh snap. Shoot. I didn't even Dang know. Yeah. yeah. I you don't you don't know what you don't know. And you know what? I just want to stop you for a second because it's so easy for us to get in our little, I don't know, place of safety and a community that we feel comfortable in and then point our fingers and judge everybody else who's not where we think they should be right. or judge ourselves. And what I love is that God is a patient pursuer and he loved you and those people who are saying stupid things. Mm-hmm. Like he's their God, he's your God, and he is a patient, loving pursuer. And he knew that there was going to come that moment when you were ready to hear that statement. You right. weren't ready until then. So what I love about your story, I think that it's so easy for us. We're just a finicky humans, such a finicky people. <laughs> <And> <laughs> we just love, 
we love having our little hill to stand on and to be able to kind of go, well, this is right, you're wrong, or you should, or whatever the case may be. But God loves his people. His bride is a, a messy, perfectly imperfect bride. Yep. And he is a patient pursuer. And so as much as he loves those people that were saying stupid things to you, but he loves them and they're all on a journey, you are on a journey. And Jesus, in his understanding of how he made you, knew that you weren't ready to hear that statement until that moment. Right. Sitting at Bethel with Bill Johnson's uh, very fatherly, loving, and yet very uh, authoritative voice. Right. To say... Yeah, you're not very loving. Right. <laughs> and then in that place, you could you could receive that conviction because at that point, it's not condemnation. It's not an accusation from the enemy. It's an invitation. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. And that's what I did. I said, okay, God, teach me how to love. Mm, like I, good. I want that. I want what he has. And, and Holy Spirit's like, okay. And so I... Gosh, man, in 2011, that was the year I ended up in direct sales. I'm not a super big extrovert. I know my life seems very extroverted because, you know, God is good and he can create you into what he wants you to be if you're moldable. Yeah. Right. So don't ever pigeonhole yourself based off of your Enneagram or your Myers-Briggs. Those are great tools to help guide you and navigate you and your strengths and under get some self-awareness yes right but it's not your identity it's not my identity and so understanding that I am introverted helped me understand why I needed I need to pull away from people versus my husband who like he sucks them all dry when he walks in a room because he loves their energy it's not (laughs) it's just not personal but no so in 2011 I'm thinking direct sales first of all I don't want to sell anything and second of all I I don't want to do this and Holy Spirit goes are you going to put me in a box and I said oh he said didn't you ask me to teach you how to love and I said Mm. I sure did and I went on a four-year journey with that. And honest to God, those four years, so between the church we were in and between direct sales, I got deliverance for the first time. Like you believe in something that you've never experienced. Mm. I believe that deliverance was a real thing, getting rid of your junk, but I've never experienced anything like it. And yeah. so to be in this environment where like things are happening and you now are questioning what you actually believe in, yeah. I was, because I'm like, uh, <laughs> oh my gosh. And then this, at the same time, sitting there hating my husband because mm. he had agitated that thing that was inside of me, um, hating the church we were in because they had, you know, rejected us on one, some level, even though we weren't leaving, we loved them. But I, I was, it was me. Yeah. I personally was experiencing this. Um, and then all of a sudden Mike Connell just says, He says, hey, I want to pray for people who have bitterness and unforgiveness in them. And it was interesting because prior to this conference, we had had these friends that had this radical experience with God, and he got massively delivered from a bunch of things. And they they wanted to have dinner with us and sit down. So they made us this beautiful meal and got together with us and then looked at me, handed me this letter that told me all these horrible things that I was doing and how I needed deliverance and how it could really set me free. So that experience happened and it crushed me. It did not 
like they're in their mind, they were like, I want to see this person set free. Cause right. when we get, when we get free, we tend to be able to see like absolutely areas of unfreedom on other people because yes. now our eyes are clear, right? You yep. get that. So they could see what was on me, but with no wisdom. Yeah. Truth, truth, truth without, without wisdom. wisdom is abuse at it times is. or it's, it's very, can be very damaging. It, 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 and it was for me in that moment, it just fed that, that thing inside of me that was already there and growing. And I was so, oh my gosh, I, I didn't talk to them for probably 10 years. Mm-hmm. Um, not because I hated them, but because I was like, I don't even understand how people could do that to me. Like I thought they were my friends and they just tricked me. So mm-hmm. then we go into this deliverance conference and I had already made up my mind that I wasn't going up for prayer because I saw what was happening when people went up for prayer. And I'm <laughs> yes. like, nope, nope, I'm not, that ain't me. I'm nope. not going. Yeah. And <laughs> I was in the very back of the whole place. And I, when he's, when Mike Connell said that I had my eyes closed and I could see where the seed had been, how far back that seed had been planted in me. And I could see every word, every interaction, everything that had ever mm. watered it. And it was almost like I was going to vomit if I didn't go up and get prayer because it was like wow. growing out of me. Yeah. I just looked at Orion and I said, I got to go. And I walked to the front and I just stood there and um, someone started praying for me. I couldn't tell you to this day what the words were, what they were saying. I was just sobbing like from a depth inside of me that I'd never experienced for about 20 minutes until she picks me up, hands me to my husband and says, here, I think you should take your wife now. (laughs) (laughs) And he's like, okay. I don't think he knew what to do with me either. And I just, it's like, you have to recover from that because something that, was a, it's a, it was your best friend for a long yeah. time, you know, and it's like a breakup yep. you just had, it's right? Your comfort zone, and I, and yeah. you didn't. First of all, you didn't even know. Yeah. Second of all, it's like, um, uh, what do I do now? I I sat there and I like to tell people it was like I had LASIK eye surgery. Mm. I went in and I saw life one way, and then I left. I saw completely different, mm. and it was about a year process walking through just nobody helps you navigate freedom. Yeah. I very few people. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. And what had just happened to me is I got set free from bitterness and unforgiveness. Yeah. That's good. I have been building a direct sales team completely around the core of it was unforgiveness and bitterness. Like, because that's, that was the core of what was inside of me. And so when I realized it, it was an opportunity for me to go to all of these groups of people in my life and start saying, Hey, I didn't know I'm so sorry. And a lot of people would be like, oh, it's all good, Ruth. That's just who you are. And so I was like, no, that's who I was. I don't want to be that person anymore. And so I made an effort to change the way that I dealt with people, the way that I saw people. Um, And what I noticed in that season was there were people who stuck and stayed and journeyed with me. And then there were the ones that were very accusatory and very like, no matter how many times I apologized or how my actions had changed or what I was doing different, it was like, you're this and you're that. And no, you're all these things. And, and I, and I would sit there and I would go, what is wrong with me? What am I doing wrong? I don't understand. And, and Holy Spirit said, Ruth, your connection was your dysfunction. Yeah, right. And I was like, Oh, they're still in their dysfunction. And it's not my job to be their Holy Spirit. So that was a process. I feel like people need to know that 
freedom is a process. Yeah. Um, and then getting set free is a big deal. And there's so much great, there's so much grace for that process. Absolutely. Um, you know, I mean, yeah. we're walking out freedom till we die. Totally. No, I appreciate you sharing your story and sharing your process. And I think one of the key things in that kind of revelation that once you get set free from something, those relationships that were kind of based on that negativity or that unforgiveness or that bitterness or that offense or whatever, they just can't be the same. And part of what is challenging for you on your side is to not become arrogant and condescending and judging, you know, to actually, how do you still love those people, but then also have the boundaries and be okay with letting go with letting go of relationships that maybe are just going to go away or, um, allowing some relationships just to change, they transform, right? This is no longer, um, somebody in my core. This is maybe somebody that, yes, I love and I see, or maybe we're even involved in ministry together to some point, but we're no longer partnered in that same way. And that's, um, that takes some maturity and it takes a dependence on Jesus, on the Holy spirit, on, Losing on, people always takes dependence. It, it on always Jesus. takes dependence. It's well, just hard. And what I realized too in this season, well, because I mean, we I dealt with bitterness and unforgiveness in that deliverance sesh, but yeah. I didn't deal with the other things that would now spring up as a result of the room being made inside yeah. of me for those other things yeah. to come up. And one yeah. of that, one of my biggest things was rejection. Mm. So. Um, so, I mean, you think about it, your whole life, you're told you're one of a kind, you're, you're authentic, but be like everybody else. Yeah. Well, there's an element of, I don't fit in, even though it's okay. So I want to release this. It is okay if you don't fit in. It's not mm-hmm. okay to be isolated and it's not okay to say nobody understands me because those are lies, Yeah. but it is a thousand percent okay if you are not called to fit into a mold because it takes all kinds of people to be fitly joined together. Yeah. We are fitly joined together. We are not called to fit in together. Absolutely. Um, And so what came up for me was the mass amount of rejection that I now felt every time even though I, in my adult mind, I knew, I understood why people had, you know, God would take them out of my life. I got it. But I never dealt with my little girl. Yeah. So the little girl that sat wounded every time because I wasn't invited to be in this friend group over here, or this person chose my sister over me, or, you know, my parents liked these siblings and I, and they would always, I would get blamed for So I never, I had not dealt with my little girl. So my little girl was always rejected Yeah. until, um, I had an awareness of that. And I, I said, I can't keep repeating this cycle. We knew God wanted to fill our house with people. And in the season that we were in, we were in a church where our connect group was like 50 plus people. We were crammed in our little 1100 square foot house and we were doing a lot of stuff. And so we got, we thought, gosh, God, imagine what you could do with 
with more space. Yeah. And so he gave us this audacious vision where we would have people walking into our house and we would say, Hey, write the verse down that God gave you for us in this season. And so our whole, all of our walls were filled with Bible verses and declarations and scripture verses about, you know, what God was going to do for us. And if you go in my living room now and you look at the three panels hanging in there, my girlfriend transcribed all the Bible verses, put them on panels. Oh, that's so awesome. We can hang I didn't them. know that. Yep. So we that's can hang rad. them in there. So it's just a reminder of, you know, how much God loved us in the that particular season to give us that vision, even though we thought it was for one thing and it ended up being for a completely different thing. But in, in 2015, we started building our house. So 14, I walked out that it was the end for me. God said, what do you want from me? And I said, I want to raise the dead and I want to heal the sick. I just want, I just want all of you, no matter what the cost. So we're tearing down our house Wait, hold on yeah, a second. Yeah, go ahead. So go back because I listened to Truth with Ruth. <laughs> so when you said that to God, uh-huh. to Jesus, he said, I want to raise the dead. I want to heal the sick. I want to uh-huh. go all in with you. What did he say to you? He said, then you're going to have to say no to some other things. And say yes. And say yes to me. Yeah. And I said, okay, I can do that. Yeah. And that's, sorry, yeah, that is important. And that's why I, that's why I stepped out of direct sales. Cause it's pretty much an all or nothing kind of thing. And I'm not a half in kind of girl. I'm an all or nothing kind of girl. Yeah. So yeah, that's good. <clears throat> that segues us. You started alluding to it, but, um, you do have a ministry now that at, right now abide has become crazy way more than I'm sure either you or Ryan ever considered. Yeah. It is a, like a worship movement, I would say in San Diego. And you're going to talk a little bit in a second about your house and, and what you did. 150 to 200 people gather here once every, what, once? Every six weeks at our house. Every six yeah. weeks. Justin and I have led worship here. Um, and you have different worship teams from all over San Diego and um, different places come in and lead. Um, And then that has evolved into abide family dinners and into, like you said, the women's event. And then beyond that, there's an abide now in Omaha, Birmingham, Sacramento's is starting family dinners in April. And then also in Rhode Island there, she, they're (laughs) starting with family dinners in April as well too. Yeah. Crazy. So yeah, so let's go back. You you kind of breezed over it, but you, at the time, 2000, what was this? Uh, 2015, Four- we started the, our build. Right. And at that time you were at a church, you had a community group yep. that was huge. So yep. you were thinking, and and not everybody can do this. I mean, your husband's in construction. So there's, you know, yeah. there's some capacity there, um, you know, and, and, and I think that's, we can go come back to this later, but I think that's a beautiful example of, of, God made you, gifted you, called you in your work. Your gifts aren't necessarily just for the four walls of your church. So who God made Orion to be gave you the capacity to kind of dream and have this vision of, hey, we could have more people at our house and we could see God do more things here. Um, And so you had a presumption of what that was for and what it was going to look like. So why don't you pick up the story there? Oh, yeah. Um, So even Prior to that, so let me go to, to let me start this with a, a vision I got uh, probably a couple years before we tore our house down. Um, I was sitting on top of a mountain because I like hiking, and I was looking out over San Diego, and all of a sudden I just see little popcorn pop 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 all over houses, and there it's it's like their little kernels popping, 
And and God's like, that's what I'm going to do all over the city. And I was like, oh, sweet. You're going to like, the church I'm at is going to have connect groups everywhere. I, I literally could only think inside of where I was at. And I was like, that's going to be so awesome, God. Like, you're going to do that. And like, there's going to be like these Holy Spirit fires in all these homes. And and I just kind of went on my way. I was like, sweet. Well, that's going to be dope. And, you know, I shared it with a few people in the church I was in and, oh yeah, that's awesome. Of course. I'm like, that's where I'm at. I, I'm not, nobody is teaching me to think ahead. <laughs> so I'm just teaching myself, like yeah. I'm getting myself healed. I'm going to conferences. I'm doing my own. I'm going to, I think I should get a sozo. I think I should do this. And, and, you know, that's the process to the house build. Like God can't expand my tent pegs if I don't actually deal with my tent pegs, which is my <laughs> yeah. body, myself, right? That's good. My spiritual yeah. tent pegs. That's he good. cannot expand my physical ones, right? Because he understands that the second my physical tent pegs expand, and if my spiritual tent peg being my body does not have the capacity to move outward with my physical one, then what's going to happen is my house is going to implode. Yeah. It's and good. his desire for us is not to implode. It's yeah. to expand, right? That's good. So I got that vision a couple of years before, and then we started tearing our house down in 2015. And in that, so you guys, it, I mean, shoot, in that season, we had a mother and her two girls living with us. We did not move out of the house and we tore the entire house down <laughs> except for three bedrooms and two bathrooms. And so we have this little section of house we're living in and we kind of built the house over our house until we had to knock the inside down just so we would have sort of like shelter, shelter. <laughs> but we had bed bugs in that season. My entire house was infested with bed bugs. Wow. Didn't know it until took my bed apart and it was Ooh. awful. I had eight people living in three bedrooms because we felt like we were supposed to help this person. And, and they said yes. And they wanted to live with us. I was cooking in a back room or in my front yard. Like people never stopped coming over a bit. Can we come over and hang out in that season? Um, a young man befriended our family and you know, we took him in as like a surrogate son and he was here every night till two in the morning. Just like, I'm like not getting any sleep. I'm building a house. I'm, I'm like, I had my capacity for anything other than what I was in the middle of was limited. And I actually, all the ministry I had been in, in our current church, I had sort of taken myself out of just because I, I could only yeah, do, you can't do everything. I could only do what was in yeah. front of me. And yeah. in that season, we also, I said, I can't have anyone who sucks me dry. Any negativity has to be out of my life because I have to keep my mindset so positive in this dirt hole that I'm living in. <laughs> yeah. like, we had chickens, three dogs that would bark. I mean, you name it, guys, it was going on. And um, people were planning their weddings at our house post build. So we had deadlines we had to oh my meet. Gosh. Literally, <laughs> we started in January and in September, we were still laying flagstone in the backyard and planting the majority of the plants that were in our yard while my best friend was getting married and we were setting up her reception that day. Oh my gosh. And Orion, in the middle of all this, Orion ended up... Um, a disc in his back, um, 
slipped or whatever. So he was in immense pain on painkillers, like couldn't move. We had no insurance, like that all had to get worked out. He had to get surgery. I mean, it's like, I just thought, well, cause God told us to do this. It's going to be awesome. And easy. <laughs> it was not easy. So this, this is, should be a good word for someone. Yeah. It's not easy. And sometimes it's not awesome. Yeah. Um, and, and know your capacity know what you you can do and what you can't do and don't apologize for it. Yeah. Just just stay true to the vision that God's put in front of you. And dependence. I right. Mean, you Jesus. There's, there's no way <laughs> there's no way to stand there without him, right? No, no, no. And, and and it's it's in those places that you have to know that you know that you know. Right. That this is what you're supposed to be doing, and that that God's present with you, even in the right. dirt with the bed bugs and a oh slip my disc gosh, and it was the whole freaking thing. Right? Ridiculous, Gina. Yeah. It was ridiculous. And then, and then imagine, okay, if you can keep imagining, like close your eyes and start imagining <laughs> with me. Um, we finished this build. We have this reception at our house for my friend. It was awesome. Imagine if you can, you finish building this house. Like, you're like, oh my gosh, the dream is alive. The house is built. And, and we're just trying to figure out, we have this whole plan on, on how everything's going to get managed. Cause you know, we took the loan, we did the whole house thing to, to get the house done, which is fine and all that, but nothing panned out the way it was supposed to. The yeah. appraisal for the house didn't come back for what it should have. The, the law, I mean, you name it. I'm like, what? the heck Jesus. And then to top it off. Um, so we were, we were still in the current church we were in and, um, you know, we would just go, Hey, we're going to do a barbecue for this. We'd have 75 people show up. We'd ha our house would be full all the time for every event that we would throw. And it would just, people would rotate through and go out and we're like, this is it. We're living the vision, living the dream. Yeah. We're doing everything. Um, we're doing everything that God showed us we were going to be doing until we weren't. Well, there is a little bit of a cliffhanger for you guys. <laughs> um, we will get the rest of Ruth and Orion's story next time. But there's some really powerful things that I really hope that you gathered in this episode that was packed with so much good stuff. And one, it's okay to be unique. It's okay to be different. It's okay to not fit a mold. God wants you to know that you are loved the way you are. And the key to freedom in that is leaning into relationship with Him and having ears to hear when He lovingly lets you know things like, hey, you don't know how to love people. <laughs> when He brings about opportunity for deliverance, and through his kindness and his mercy, he comes alongside you to help you to learn how to walk those things out. This episode, we heard really the foundation that was being laid in Ruth and Orion's life so that they can say yes to him and to prepare them for the things that God has for them or had for them in the future. And we're going to hear more about that next time. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. You were encouraged by it, maybe even challenged by it. If you enjoyed the sacred space, this episode or 
any others, I just would so encourage you to share them with your friends, put it out there, put it up on social media. Um, just let people know that's the way we spread the word. Um, if you want to rate and review us, that would be amazing. If you want to contact us, you can email me at Gina at Gina Stockton.com. There's a link in the episode notes. And finally, if you want to support the production of this podcast, you actually can make a tax deductible donation to Stockton Ministries through the link in the episode notes. Or again, you can go to my website, Gina Stockton.com and click the donate button in the top right corner. Well, have an amazing day. Know that you are loved exactly as you are.